Yeah, I'm like Neo now. <laughs> oh, that was good. That was good. That's Morpheus. What's up, everybody? It's Bryce from Jurassic Views. Here we are on a Monday afternoon, post-second round. The second round is now complete. We know the final four teams in each of the conference finals. We got the Clippers versus the Phoenix Suns. They played their first game, actually, yesterday. And we've just found out as of last night after a barn burner in Philly, that it will be the Atlanta Hawks versus the Milwaukee Bucks. Now, I don't know who picked these four teams at the beginning of the playoffs, but if anybody did, impressive picks. Uh, While I wouldn't say this was a predictable Final Four, I will say for me personally, it's a very enjoyable Final Four. For the podcast today, it will not be me solo, uh, but unfortunately, Zayaquina not with me this morning. However, I am in Mississauga. I've returned to my hometown of Mississauga and on the pod for the second time, a fan favorite. Uh, We've got a lot of great positive feedback from you, the listeners. Brian Diamond, my own father, joins me to wrap up, reflect back on the second round of the playoffs. Brian Diamond, how are you today? Thanks for being on the pod. Well, I appreciate the opportunity to return, and uh, I know that doesn't always happen to uh, everybody, so it's quite an honor. I'm just surprised that after the initial time and so many fans wrote in. I heard that it was just a uh, landslide of responses. I would have thought that my uh, remuneration level mm. would have increased greatly. Mm. But, you know, I, I appreciate Zaya taking the uh, day off to allow me this chance to commiserate and uh, explore possibilities uh, for the rest of the playoffs. Uh, now, you're not the only one who's talked about, uh, you know, where the money at, uh, who's paying our bills, as I will ask me that question all the time. Uh, unfortunately, um, no one gets paid until him and I get paid. But if we do make some big money off this uh, episode, which I doubt, but if we, do it, if we did, uh, I would make sure that you were well compensated for your time, Father. Uh, happy Father's Day again. We were able to enjoy Father's Day yesterday, both of us as fathers. Uh, you got to enjoy it. Oh, right. We both were together for Father's Day. Uh, <laughs> I think it's our first Father's Day together, probably in five years. Yikes. It might be the last one for another five years. <laughs> Who knows? Who knows? <laughs> uh, now, there is some uh, something to address before we get to uh, this second round. And there has been some 
Some in-family competition. I don't know if you're aware of this, but after Evelyn's episode with me on the podcast, she was very curious who had more listeners. Oh. And you uh, and your episode with Zaya and I actually has more listeners than she receives. So if those, uh, for those of you who are listening, want to uh, make sure that Evelyn gets a little bump, then please listen to that podcast if you haven't already. Uh, but my father is leading that one. In fact, out of all the podcasts, I think we've done 88 podcasts so I far. I, um, I don't know how Zaya is still my friend after 88 <laughs> podcasts, but I guess we ran across that's the country. That's why he's not on the show. Yeah, that's right. right. We did run across the country today together. So I guess uh, doing a few podcasts, uh, not in person, but just over the phone uh, makes it easy for him. But your podcast with Zaya and I was, I believe the third most listened to podcast of the season. So well done. We'll see where this ends up. We did have um, the advantage that the Raptors were still in the running at that uh, point. And it was just after the trade deadline, after the trade of... So in other words, our son, Norm numbers Powell. were inflated. Uh, meaning... I'm, <laughs> I'm simply giving facts, context to... Take it anyway. <laughs> All right. Well, let's get to it. We had some incredibly intense, dramatic, drama-filled uh, games. Uh, some would say, depending what city they were from, traumatic playoff experiences. Uh, two game sevens. We had the Bucks and the Nets in a game seven. One of the legendary game sevens, I would say, uh, and certainly uh, an, an incredible series with swings and twists and turns. Uh, and then there was last night Hawks Philly. I would think that most people would agree that the Hawks were and are the Cinderella story of this year's playoffs. Uh, where do you want to start? What was, uh, what was the series that you watched the least of? What was the series that was, you know, wasn't that entertaining? We did have a sun sweep of the nuggets. How come I didn't get these questions? (laughs) Allow me uh, an opportunity to have some intellectual, uh, input here. Um, the only one who gets questions ahead of time is Lindsay Hamilton. So that tells you what kind of. That doesn't, that doesn't uh, <laughs> help me at all. Uh, the one that I, the least, that would be right at this moment. Um, I don't know. I, I liked your comparison with, uh, it was like the underdog. Nobody expected the Canadians in, in the NHL to have right, that. Right. Okay. So I would say from, the biggest surprise to me was Atlanta. But right. that doesn't answer your, your question. That, mm. That's the one that, Right away, I, I didn't know that much about Trey Young. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't watch all these games like uh, you and Zaya normally do. Right. And, and uh, I'm a Raptor guy first. And I knew that at one point the Raptors in Atlanta were considered, you know, who's going to make the playoffs right. and all the rest. But very impressed by their overall coming together. Like Montreal. Mm-hmm. Same. Yeah, Definitely. So that would be the biggest surprise. I, I I don't know who would be the least. Well, who is the series that you're least interested in? 
Like, did you really watch the Clippers Jazz series that much? I did because that, I didn't want the Clippers to advance. That's fair. Now, what's your beef with the Clippers? Why don't you like the Clippers? Let's get into our opinions and feelings here. <laughs> well, in spite of Paul George and uh, Kawhi, uh, I didn't have any real identification. And I, for some, whatever reason, I, I never really picked up on Paul George. Right. Okay. And you know what? Um, it's been two years since Kawhi was with us. He had a phenomenal run. It was magical for the for the Raptor and Canada. Um, so I'm still living in that. It's, yeah, it's been sure. Two years since, and you know, Kawhi is not a guy who who engages and 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 does so many neat things with the fans. From right. Okay. So he he's he's got that stoic. Yeah. You know, nonplussed face, and um, as I've it's got further and further away from that magical year that we all loved. Um, I've kind of moved on. Yeah. He's moved on. And so whatever, I, I he's a phenomenal basketball player. No, mm -hmm. no question. Yeah. But um, Paul, Paul George and the rest of those guys, right. I, I never, yeah, I, I mean, like the underdog. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, for sure. For sure. And, and there's certainly a number of guys, uh, both from a Raptors perspective, but NBA perspective, who are easy to not like. Uh, you know, Marcus Morris is not a it's Raptors not a favorite, yeah. former former Boston, Boston Celtic. Yeah, we could care less. Pat Patrick Beverly uh, is not often a guy who I've heard being in people's favorite uh, category. Um, you know, and then they got some guys who are on their team that just we don't know much about, like right, Zubac right. or um, uh, you got Terrence Mann who had that monster game five, 39 points, couldn't. Couldn't miss. I don't even know if he hit the rim half that game, uh, game five in Utah when they had that big victory. Um, yeah, there's some guy, you know, Batum, people are neutral on. Uh, so, yeah, the Clippers aren't. Um, now, we'll come back to the Clippers for yeah. a moment in another uh, category of conversation, I guess you could say. Uh, but would you say at this point, these final four teams, would you say that you're you're team that you want to watch is the Hawks? Well, you know, I, I, I didn't know that much about the Suns. Okay. The, the Suns intrigued me. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, I've never really identified with Booker. Okay. And and um, I, I like the team. I like the energy and uh, the persona, personally. Mm -hmm. You're right. So I've, I've grown a little... Closer to them, right? Uh, it's been such, from my perspective, such a disappointing year. I, I don't want to go back and go mm, right, but um, we'll leave the Raptors. Yeah, 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 yeah. You don't want to open uh, old no, wounds. <laughs> old wounds that will pour forth a lot of anguish and frustration. And so uh, I, I would say that the Jazz intrigue me, or sorry, Suns. Suns, Suns intrigue yep. me. I, I think Booker, from the little that I've seen, yep. is, is one of those good guys right? and a uh, heck of a player. Um, you know, I still don't understand this year the COVID factor. The protocols. All these... 
I, initially, I would have said, I, especially because the teams were uh, all in the States, mm -hmm. including the Raptors. These guys, if I was paying somebody thirty million plus, I, I would have had these guys all inoculated. Right. Um, you know, I would have been paying for them to get inoculated. Now I know there's some players apparently who haven't gone ahead and had vaccination. I don't understand that whole no. crazy thing. But uh, when you're paying somebody twenty, fifteen million dollars U.S. right to play basketball for you. I would be insisting that they be fully vaccinated. Right. And so, what's crazy in that Phoenix situation is that uh, Chris Paul was vaccinated in February. Yeah. Yeah. So for him to be carrying uh, COVID nineteen, even though he's vaccinated, is kind of a a crazy situation. But I guess that 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 happens as long as the virus is out there, it can be transferred. Whether he gets any symptoms of it or is affected by his right. own other thing. But uh, hopefully his time uh, in protocols, health health and safety protocols is not long because it'd be great to see both him and Kawhi back in this series. Uh, in the in the second round games, what was the most satisfying uh, thing to watch? What was the most, uh, what gave you the most joy? Was it a team winning like the Hawks? Was it a team losing? Well, you you asked some nice questions. Um, I'm not as philosophical I, I, I as I am no, no, no. with his questions. Again, <laughs> I, because because I'm a Raptor fan, right? Uh, and the Raptors went out so early. Normally, I, I probably wouldn't have paid that much attention to the playoffs, the other series. Okay? Yeah, yeah. But because of COVID and, and a whole bunch of other factors. Not a lot on TV to begin with, mm -hmm. even though I'm a sports enthusiast. Junkie, let's be Junkie. honest. Junkie, yeah. Um, I, I found myself getting sucked into the playoff mania. Right. So, uh, again, on a personnel basis, not on a basketball, I just don't like the net. Okay. Um, I watched a couple of games during the season uh, before they got uh, James Harden. Yep. I've never liked Kyrie. Right. Heck of a player. Yeah. Has done, you know, and can do so many things almost seemingly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, he's an Effortlessly. Effortlessly. Yeah. Like KD. Sure. But again, when KD abandoned uh, Golden State... Okay. Uh, after he got the injury and, and, you know, he signed with the Nets, he sent out the whole year. I, I just, and then they signed Harden and they, and they got, um, Blake Griffin, Blake Griffin, another guy who Deandre Jordan was another guy they picked up too. I, I just, yeah, I just didn't like them. So going back to your question, I know I'm, I'm wandering all over. No, you don't like do a lost it. soul in a desert. <laughs> um, Looking at mirages as they appear on the horizon, uh, I would say them losing was a good was feeling. Wow! I don't. I still haven't totally bought into Milwaukee because right. they played the Raptors. The Raptors beat them, you know, in their golden year. Right. And um, Giannis, I still is that Giannis? Giannis. 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 Yeah. Uh, he is a geek, a Greek freak. Yeah, for um, sure. So 
I still I like some of the guys as they play, mm -hmm. and and of course when they beat the Nets, that was to me good. Right. Uh, I would think that you would have the perspective that the way the Bucks have built, regardless of how they play, regardless of how you know pensive and nervous Budenoser looks on the sideline. Yes. Uh, they've built in a way that seems, whether traditional or, uh, you know, uh, with a hardworking kind of culture, right? Like, yeah. how hard is it to attract free agents to Milwaukee? Like, no offense to Milwaukee, no, no. but it's not Miami, L.A., or New York, right? Again, um, Steve Nash, and I, could, I can't even tell you the quote, you just named him for Milwaukee. Budenoser. They seem like honest guys. Right, right. So much of the NBA group of coaches, mm. uh, Doc Rivers. Oh, the, uh, this I is don't a know whole if you segment. Wanna, do you want to go there first? <laughs> uh, you know, uh, when he was with Boston, of course, because I didn't like Boston because Paul Pierce, who right. was a whiner. Yeah. Uh, Kevin Garnett, to me, was a whiner. Uh, you know, he had this tough guy image, supposedly, but. He used his, that to his advantage, mm. um, it seemed. So, Doc Rivers, I've never bought into him as a coach. Right, right. Uh, and I watched him in the playoffs, and we could go back to the refereeing, which you and I talked about in Zaya mm -hmm. way back uh, when I was invited the first time. I thought I'd never get invited back, so this is a surprise. <laughs> but um, I just—he he stands there complaining, right? And I—I I think that the—I uh, think that the NBA has to, from my perspective, as a fan, mm. they got to start addressing. There's way too much talk with the referees, right? I wouldn't want to be a referee in the NBA. I can think of other places that I might choose to do that, but everybody complains. It's right. like the soccer guys, you know, they go down like they've been uh, speared. Uh, yeah. They've suffered a career-ending injury, and 15 seconds later, they're prancing around scoring a goal. On the the Holy Ghost has touched them. Miraculous healing. Yeah, that would be an interesting thing if, if they decided that the NBA said there's only one player who's allowed to talk to the officials. You know, like sometimes you see this in soccer where yeah. there's a meeting and it's the captains and the referee. You, you wonder if that uh, could happen. Although with superstars, if there's multiple superstars on a team, like for instance, the Nets, it's pretty hard when you've uh, empowered the superstars to, you know, basically do whatever they want. Uh, it, it would be hard for them not to talk to the officials if they only had one captain. But uh, I, get, I get what you're saying, that it's uh, that there's a lot, you know, there's so many replays because guys are arguing their way to to get the replays. Uh, but there's a lot of inconsistencies, as we've talked about. Absolutely. Too. There's two two sports, uh, baseball and basketball. Mm. And soccer has been slow to go. You know, they finally have looked at goals uh, and, and mm -hmm. offsides, and looked at replays. But 
If you're looking for the model, in my opinion, that the NBA and baseball and some of the other leagues need to look at, it's the uh, international rugby. Interesting. You're you're not allowed to talk to the referee unless you're the captain. Right. And they brought in uh, video replay and assists mm-hmm. for the referee. And you don't get all of this whining and, and, right. and acting. And the guys from games that I've seen, and I watch a fair amount, uh, aren't complaining to the, to the referee. Right. And the referee, unlike baseball, which, again, the baseball guy can eject you uh, for just looking at him right. wrong. Right. That, that's ridiculous. Right, right, right. And there was a game this past week... Um, in the baseball, it cost the Jays the game where they said that I think it was Bichette or one of the guys uh, had foul tipped the ball and he never touched the ball. And it was a pass ball and a run should have scored and they would have gone into extra innings and the Jays might have had it. But because they ruled it a foul ball, the guy couldn't advance to the home plate and score the run. He was sent back to third base. And it was clearly on when they ran the uh, replay that the ump never looked at, that there was no foul tip. Interesting. So, but in rugby, the referee can turn, or the guys who are watching the replays uh, on the sidelines can say to the ref, you need to look at this. Mm. And then there's a, there's a collaboration that takes place right. between the two of them. And, and they, they arrive at a, at a decision there's so many things in basketball, sock, like it's... Yeah. So We uh, went off on a rant there. So. Yeah, we did. It was a little tangent on uh, referee reform, yeah. which is always a favorite conversation of mine. Uh, I know that listeners, regular listeners, will agree to that. Uh, even people who follow me on Twitter, friends of mine, will say, uh, if I argue about the officials, it's on brand. Um, well, last night, there's no doubt for me that... It was high drama. It was tense, nervy, uh, watching the Hawks try to pull out a game on the road against the one seed Philly, uh, who had all the talent, who have poured in all the the money to make uh, a championship roster. And here, Atlanta, uh, this Cinderella story, underdog uh, run that they've gone on with Nate McMillan, an interim coach, even though he coached in Indiana, I thought he did a really solid job. They, The players pushed him out, much like Nate Bjorkman got pu- pushed out at the end of this season, former Raptors assistant. Uh, and there was no more satisfying series result. Number one, I like the Hawks. I'm a, I'm a big Trey Young fan. I like Clint Capella. People know that as well. I want I want him to be the Raptors' center. I just think he does so many great things on both ends of the court. And he doesn't doesn't complain. complain. He no, doesn't, he doesn't. He really doesn't. Despite he all doesn't the, pull a LeBron. No, or all the theatrics or of the Joel Embiid. Uh, but uh, Doc Rivers was kind of at the center of who Philly was this year, and. There's kind of two ways you can coach. And obviously this isn't, you know, there's there's lots of ways you can coach. But in the NBA there seems to be kind of two main ways you can coach. You can be a strategist, okay, where you have like your own kind of 
philosophy of the game, like a Mike D'Antoni. Mm. And you just like, this is what it is. And we're going to try to like get the most out of whatever philosophy or strategy mm-hmm. I bring to the table. Mm-hmm. He did that in Houston with mm-hmm. James Harden being the centerpiece. He did that uh, in Phoenix with mm-hmm. Steve Nash. Mm-hmm. Very different styles. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, but D'Antoni, you know, he, he was a genius in how he tried to get the most out of these particular strategies. And then the other one is ego management. Mm. And Doc Rivers is a great manager of egos. The problem is that when you get into the highest leverage moments, when you have to make difficult decisions, Doc Rivers just is horrible at making good adjustments, uh, really calling out his superstars. And he continued on. He, He held on to this ego management kind of view of things with Philly all season, and it's bit him in the butt. Um, he even helped, uh, you know, increase Joel Embiid's trust fund baby kind of routine on the court uh, that he has. And, you know, all of this ego management did nothing for them as a team to, to strategize and prepare them for each game. This is a team that should have won in five games with the roster they have. Right, but right. knowing their weaknesses, this is a team that should have had Kyle Lowry and could have got Kyle Lowry, mm. and they decided not to. And, of course, Raptors Twitter has been all over Philly for the entire series. Mm. Uh, but here we were last night in a game where Ben Simmons gets benched because he's so limited mm. in what he can do, and they don't have a great decision-making point guard mm-hmm. To help Doc Rivers with his ego management style of coaching. And what Mm. happens? The one seed blows it in the biggest upset to this point Mm. in the playoffs. And uh, they're out. And as Blake, uh, my brother, your son, was uh, saying last night, Doc Rivers at the end of the third quarter was looking at, you know, refining his CV, preparing his resume (laughs) for... Uh, you know who he, you know the the jobs go yeah the, the job interviews that he was going to have because he was going to get fired uh, my brother also made a wonderful uh wonderfully humorous comment that doc rivers down the stretch of that game in the fourth quarter was calling tobias harris ben simmons and joel Embiid. KG, Paul, and Ray, mm. <laughs> hoping that yeah. they could muster up some sort Boston of... Boston <laughs> Miraculous. Uh, and obviously those guys are nowhere near the caliber of, of where uh, Boston was uh, back then in 2008. But what a terrible result for Philly. And there's, got, you know, there's going to be heads uh, that are knocked off. There's going to be uh, people who are going to get fired. Um, talking about coaches Mm. in the second round, a whole myriad of coaches and coaching styles, obviously different rosters. Who is a coach that really impressed you in the second round of, of all these teams? Was there one that stood out for you? Obviously Doc Rivers was a guy that, that flopped, failed. Yeah. Well, Nate McMillan. Yeah. Um, I don't want to compare myself because I was nowhere at any of these guys' level. Or paycheck. Or paycheck. But um, he seemed relatively calm. Mm -hmm. 
he didn't allow a bad call, seemingly, mm -hmm. to get himself um, out somewhere on the end of the uh, plank mm -hmm. where where there was no return. He, he, he kept himself and his players focused on what the job was, being right. uh, Philly, yeah. and, and therefore he... he was much more effective, I think, yeah. than Doc Rivers. I know this is Doc Rivers' style to to stand there and whine and engage, right. whereas Nate McMillan seemed much more stoic and uh, intellectually, you know, focusing on the coaching. Like, like what can I could do to help the team, which normally is what I think a coach right. is hired to do yeah uh, get the best out of the players get the best out of the situation the type of team you're playing against take advantage of their mistakes or weaknesses and so I was I was impressed with Nate but he was a player that I think played the same way yeah 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 I, I it's it's hard in these big moments of pressure these high leverage moments it's really difficult to uh, you know take a step back and see the big picture, even in a fourth quarter situation. And there were certainly calls that could have gone either way. Uh, there were calls that were questionable yeah, uh, at yeah. times for both teams, Absolutely. for both teams. Absolutely. Uh, so no calls that were questionable well, I go into that. as well. Uh, but you're right. I think Nate just kept helping his guys stay with the score rather than uh, the blaming. drama and yeah, yeah the, exactly blaming and, and blaming. Um, you know, when I look at the last four coaches that are in it, uh, I'm not a big Budenoser fan. I find that he doesn't make a lot of adjustments, but his players yeah. seem to respond well to him. Uh, and certainly with Nate McMillan, uh, the team has very much responded uh, in a favorable way to him. I mean, here's a team that had another good coach who they let go of uh, after they were kind of seemingly spinning out of control and they brought Nate to the, to the head coaching role. Um, and they responded, uh, you know, exceptionally well, uh, made a surge into fifth place and now are in the conference finals. Another guy for me, and, and this is, uh, you know, people, I wouldn't say he's a lightning rod figure, but people have kind of a dividing uh, opinions of him, but a guy who impressed me the most in the second round was Ty Lue. Uh, okay. he, here's a guy who coached LeBron James. Most people would say he just hung on to his coattails and, yeah. and just listened to whatever LeBron said. I thought he coached the heck out of that series against Utah. Heck, he didn't even have uh, Kawhi Leonard in the last two games, and he outcoached Coach Snyder, Quinn Snyder, uh, and, um, you know, made some great adjustments, made some risky calls, used his bench well. Mm. We were talking about how uh, both uh, Steve, and Steve Nash and Boonoser went to a very short bench, uh, really in a lot of ways only had one guy coming off the bench in that game seven of the Bucks net series. But Ty Lue got the most from his team. Heck, he didn't even have Serge Ibaka to play in that uh, series. And I thought in the second round, he was the best coach. Um, but you also have Monty Williams, who's making a big run in this playoffs. And he's coached well. Um, and it's not just Chris Paul making decisions for the team. Yeah. Monty is, is, is definitely got 
um, a great track record as an assistant coach, but now as the lead guy the last two seasons has been very effective. Um, what's it like to watch some of these coaches in pressure situations as a guy who coached in city championships? What's it like to see them uh, make big calls in big games? Is it, you know, is it reminiscent to what you did? Is it, is it make you more nervous for them? Do you, do you want to get inside their heads? What's your response as you watch them on the sidelines with the... Well, it just impresses me that they can stay in the moment and not lose focus. Whereas I think when you start getting into a conversation mm. with a referee over a missed call or what you think he should have done, you're not thinking about your next move. You're, you're, right. you're spending too much time on something that is gone. Yeah. So I, I, don't, I, I don't want to compare these guys. I think I was... I think I was relatively positive when I coached. Uh, I remember making one very negative uh, move when I was coaching uh, in football, and it was detrimental to the player, and I was embarrassed afterwards. Mm. Uh, I don't think the player took it to heart uh, or realized how angry I was. And I think that's what some of these coaches, mm. they get so caught up in their own... right world and I go back to the refereeing uh, and the hockey I know we're in basketball but there, there, there was a I don't know who the referee was uh, last night who was under the uh, uh, backboard several times oh yeah in the Philly game and wouldn't make a call yeah never took the whistle out of his uh, mouth, right, right, and never maybe used it's it. not out of his pocket, perhaps. He never, he never used it, and he allowed the coach on the uh, top to make the call, and yet he's facing exactly what was that. You, you can't say he got blocked out. Uh, and then you saw the hockey uh, with Montreal, right? Yeah, and here's two guys, uh, Weber, and I forget who the other guy, uh, person, the player was. Yeah, uh, for uh, Las Vegas. And they're basically beating each other up, cross-checking, and, and uh, you know, one was a charge, one was a cross-check, one was a hit to the head. And it's only after the play stopped somewhere else, he decided then to give a penalty mm. to each player. Well, like, what are you there for? So if you can't make a call, you shouldn't be a referee. Right, right, right. And if you're going to allow these guys to talk to you, I think right. it's the league's got to got to change the attitude. Now, Dad, when you were uh, coaching a, a teacher uh, at your high school, you coached badminton, I coached hockey, that. football, rugby, basketball, volleyball, volleyball. Uh, do you think coaching in those multiple sports helped you? in sports that maybe you were more focused with or experiencing? Did that, that cross-sport coaching help? Absolutely, because um, I didn't have a lot of uh, understanding of badminton, for example. Mm. And I was coaching uh, provincial and Canadian champions uh, who had much more insight and experience with badminton than I did. And I learned from them. Right. Okay. I didn't have an ego where uh, I, I'm the only guy, I'm the coach. I, I learned from the players. Same when I, I coached golf. 
uh, if you can coach golf. <laughs> but the players knew way more than I did. They were coming from private clubs. Right. So you, you I leaned on them. Yeah. Why not? That's that's how you, you gain knowledge yourself through their experience. Um, uh, yeah, I, I don't want to make this uh, focus on myself. I think it, you, you've got to have a, a, a plan and sometimes the players you end up with, unlike the pros where they can draft and uh, buy players, they don't fit what you're used to coaching. That really becomes problematic because um, you think this is the way all your teams should play and you have players who can't play in those situations that you uh, have, have been used to having players. So. I don't know where we went with that. Yeah, yeah, but it was, no, no. It was, uh, yeah. I, I, it's really interesting when you look at on the sidelines of who's coaching, uh, you know, the various teams in the NBA, but especially uh, those final eight teams and now the final four, um, who's on their sidelines. You know, we talked about Steve Nash. We felt like he made a mistake not using his bench, yeah, especially going into that overtime. Uh, you could tell that, all the players were exhausted. They needed uh, a sub or two. I felt like Joe Harris was the best guy to sub out. And here's Steve Nash. He has his old coach, Mike D'Antoni, on the sidelines. Uh, and you wonder what their conversations were. You wonder if D'Antoni helped him at all. Uh, mm. You know, he had, he had veterans on uh, the you know on his team on his roster who might have played almost just as much basketball as Steve Nash. You know, Jeff Green's 36. Mm. I wonder what those conversations were like. I'm always curious, you know, mm. when you have a leader who's, you know, the leader of the team in terms of strategy and play calling, how much do they, uh, you know, lean on the players, lean on the assistant coaches? When when do you make the, the final uh, decision? Uh, I'd also be curious how many of these guys uh, who are top flight NBA coaches, how many of them share notes with football coaches and soccer coaches and mm. you know, just other other sports? Um, it would just be interesting to learn because leadership, you know, can cross sports. It can cross yeah, industry. Yeah. It can cross uh, areas of expertise. So it would be interesting to, to find that out. But in these moments, there's not a great gap between talent. You know, and like you look at that Utah uh, LA Clipper series. There's not a lot of gap in talent, especially when Kawhi goes down. You know, here's a top five guy. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Paul George and Donovan Mitchell, pretty similar in, in talent and ability. Uh, maybe one is a little more experienced than the other guy, but as a whole, both teams had a lot of experience, both international and NBA, a lot of talent. There wasn't a lot of margin of, of difference and it does come down to leadership. It does come down to decision making. And that's what fascinates me in these high leverage uh, moments. You know, Philly had greater talent. They're at home. They were the higher seed. And yet here's Atlanta playing more veteran basketball. Here's Nate McMillan making more veteran or more savvy uh, decisions than Doc Rivers, who's got more experience than Nate McMillan. So I'm always... Fascinated well, you see, by that kind of when, stuff. When you say that, she, when you say about Doc Rivers, more experience. Was Doc Rivers in that position 
by reputation right. or by skill. Right. Absolutely. I mean, here's a guy who's blown more 3-1 leads than anyone else in the history of the NBA. He's lost more game sevens than anyone in the history of the NBA. Uh, yeah, that's a great question. Reputation or skill. Very true. You see, what makes sports so attractive? Mm. I, I love the underdog. Yeah. Especially when the underdog seemingly deserves <laughs> the support. Right. Instead of some highfalutin, I don't want to cast dispersions again on LeBron, but <laughs> when they're so caught up, it seems in themselves. Okay? Yeah. Some of these guys. Yeah. And yet some of these other all-stars and, and top players seemingly are so much easier to love. Right. Okay? Yes. Just by their court persona. Yeah. So when I see guys uh, achieving more than you give them credit for or right. think they can, yeah. that's sport. That's, oh, yeah. that's because it happens so often. Yep. You know, whether it's golf in the Ryder Cup, when, it, when a, a club has a phenomenal lead and they've got 10 of the top 15 guys are, are of the nationality that's ahead, and the other side comes back mm. and beats the home side, the, the higher-ranked player, because of some little miracle that takes place. Mm -hmm. and, and I had a few situations where uh, players rose, like mm -hmm. guys who you didn't know. Right. And when it got to, they could compete yeah. at a higher level than, than a guy who, a player that you thought was a better player most of the time, could shoot better, draw. But this other player has this quality when it gets tense to rise up and, and and go off and do some things that you weren't expecting. Yeah. Um, I, w I want to go back to one of your questions mm -hmm. because I coached uh, a girls team for a few seasons. Yep. And the girls had a whole different perspective than the boys did. Right. And I'm sure at different levels of sports uh, and teams, the personalities that sh you, you, you can, maybe you have interviews and stuff, but it doesn't come out the same as that can rise together mm. and, and unify right. and bond and have each other's backs right. instead of, I should get more passes. Yeah, I sure. should get more shots. Yeah. Like, like there's, there's comments they make where the, this is the guy we go through. Right. You know, MJ. Right. Yeah. Uh, we're going to give this ball to this guy 10 times out of 10. Yeah. But may, maybe that's not a coach what he should be doing. Yeah, right. There are circumstances where there's a better player that should get that ball. For that circumstance. And I don't know these, you would think these guys are getting paid millions of dollars, right. but I'm not sure, like you were going back, you know, ego management versus coaching. Mm -hmm. um, do they know, does Doc Rivers right. recognize, or does it have to go through Embiid right. or whoever? Yeah. I don't know. No, it's a good, uh, a good reflection for sure. 
Uh, well, we have four teams left. Yep. Uh, something Zaya doesn't uh, necessarily like to do. And so I like to do uh, this exact thing when he's not on the podcast. I'll mm. do this in solo pods and I'll do this with you now. He's not a big predictions guy Ooh. for whatever reason, which is totally fair and fine. Uh, but you know what? He's not on today, so we'll go down that road. We have four, <laughs> four teams left. I don't think we would have predicted them all to be here if, at the start of the playoffs. Uh, Bucks Hawks, tell me who you think is going to win this series and how many games. Well, who is going to win and who should win? Yeah, who do you? Who would you take? Well, I, I like the underdog. To me, Atlanta's the underdog. Right. Would I put money on it? No. That's what I'm asking. I know. Like, uh, <laughs> no, we're not a gambling family, but I if know, we had I, to put some some bills I, down. I personally think the Bucks should win in five. Right. Yeah, they should sure. win in five. I think so. Okay. But you're gonna less Trey. Yep. You know what? I'm going to stick. I, I was Once the playoffs started and the Raptors weren't in there, yep. and I started watching the Hawks, I, I liked yep. them. So I would hope. Everything tells me the Bucks should win. Right. But I would hope that the uh, Hawks. That would be amazing. First time they would go Capella, to the like I like those guys. Yeah, definitely, yeah. definitely. Uh, Suns Clippers. Already won nothing, so you got an advantage here. I know. I, I, I told you I hate, I, I just don't like the Clippers. Right. Um, I like I like Booker. Yeah. Uh, I like the other team because I don't know either one that well. So I would go. I, I'm a. I'm going to go Suns. Phoenix Suns. Now, who would win between those two teams if they were to go forward? I, I mean, right? Yeah, that's a whole other. I mean, we're not there in the finals yet. I won't, I won't put that much no. pressure on you in this podcast. I I think Clippers, even though they're down one. Could win. Right. But I'd rather see the Suns win. I'm not sure if we'll see Kawhi. I'm sure if Kawhi, uh, if he does return, I think he's the best player in the series. I think he's a top five guy in the league. Uh, maybe even a top three guy. Um, but It's uh, hard to love a Kawhi. Uh, well, he's, he's an exceedingly good basketball player. Right. I just don't... He just doesn't... Right. There's no there's warmth. Some, yeah, the warmth, right? And we're we're warm personalities, you and I. <laughs> um, you know, every time I watched a series with Kawhi in it this year, I wanted so badly mm-hmm. to cheer for the other team. I wanted to cheer for Utah. I wanted to cheer for Donovan Mitchell with his mentor D Wade now as a minority uh, owner. I wanted to cheer for uh, Luca and and Brunson. I love. Uh, Brunson for for, mm-hmm. for Dallas because uh, not only is he a Philly guy yeah. but, it, but I remember watching his dad play for mm. Temple uh, way back in, in the day um, but every time I saw Kawhi I got nostalgic my, my heart strings were pulled because I remember what he provided for us mm-hmm. uh, in the Raptors. I mean, we just had the anniversary of the Raptors winning the championship, then the parade mm-hmm. anniversary. I mean, those are good feelings. Mm-hmm. Uh, those are, you know, mountaintop experiences. Um, and I, you know, when I see Kawhi, I get right back up to the mountaintop that quick. So 
he, he does that. Um, whether it's him as a personality or him as a basketball player, those are two different things. Um, also on a side note, Marcus Gasol, Parade Marcus Gasol, is my favorite version of Marcus Gasol. Um, when he was spraying champagne on the crowd, when he was, yeah, he was downing a, a beer, you know, like he just was, he was so human. much fun. He was, he was. He was enjoying uh, <laughs> it. Like he was in the moment. Right? He was, he was. Um, so I, I, I'm going to, I'm going to take Phoenix probably because I want them to win. If Kawhi comes back, I think they have the advantage because I think they have the best player in the series in basketball, kind of like hockey mm-hmm. with the goaltender. I think so much uh, is at stake around that number one guy. If Kawhi doesn't come back, I think Devin Booker is better than uh, Paul George. I'm not saying that the difference is, is, is that great. I think they're very close, like Mitchell, Donovan Mitchell and Paul George. In the other series, I don't even think it's close. I would love to see the Hawks get to their first final in franchise history. I don't think that's going to happen. What's neat about uh, the four teams who are uh, part of the semifinal is uh, the Bucks haven't won since, I believe, 1971. The Hawks have never been to the final, so they've never won. The Phoenix Suns have never won a final. Last time they were there was 93. And the Clippers have never even been to the conference finals. First time in the conference finals, they've never won a championship. Wow. So to see a new franchise... Forget the Lakers, forget the Celtics. We've seen all that stuff. Forget the Miamis of the world. Forget the major superstars of Steph or KD or LeBron. We get to see someone new this year. Mm. I think that's pretty exciting. Personally, I think it's good for the game uh, in this post-LeBron era. Um, uh, so, you know, Does I think... LeBron know what's <laughs> I, I don't think LeBron knows, and I think he wants Bronny, his son, to get into the league quickly. Mm. So that his legacy can be handed off to to the, the family. How old is his son? Uh, I think his son's 16. Oh. So apparently he wants to play two or three more seasons so he can play with Bronny wherever Bronny is. Mm-hmm. He's got two more seasons in high school. LeBron has two more seasons on his contract with the Lakers. But it's a, I think it's a good feeling. I think most NBA fans would say, you know, if you get rid of their bias of, of their own team, who they support, I would say... Most NBA fans are thinking this has been a great playoff because uh, there's been more parity, there's been more uncertainty, and, and more excitement. Um, any final thoughts on the playoffs? Any, uh, any coaching advice that you want to give since we've been talking about coaches? Or just a message to Zaya, who sent us a very nice beer yesterday to have with Father's Day dinner. I appreciate it very much. I appreciate the fact that he decided to stay in Ottawa so I could be on this podcast. <laughs> um, no, I, I've always I've always loved sports because of the unknown factor. Mm. Like like the golf yesterday. I wish Mackenzie Hughes had have played better. I'm Canadian. He comes across as a family guy. He's, you know, he's, he's, he's struggled to get to where. And John Ram won it. Uh, I don't really say I would be a John Ram fan, but uh, basketball, it's been a crazy season. Yes. Um, so much disappointment. On, in consternation on a Raptor mm. land. Yeah. But then you see Milwaukee had their uh, Jurassic Park. Yeah. 
and you see other teams doing uh, similar things, which I think is great for the for the fans yeah. to have an opportunity. And not everybody can get into a game and afford yeah, a game, so I true. think that's a good idea. Yeah, um, it gives a lot more people attachment and uh, you know something to dream about. Yeah, and, sure. Yeah, but um, I can't. I can at this moment. I can't think of anything else. Give that's me a tree. Give me an honest guy. Give me a norm. Yeah, right. Give, give me a Kyle, uh, and, and I'd I'd love to uh, play with them, and uh, you know, they would mock me, and we'd have some fun shooting some jokes back and forth. They'd be fun to play with, and be teammates with. A lot of these other guys, I uh, I can't identify with. Them. Right. Well, on a Raptors note, oh no! Uh, before we get to a podcasting note, on a Raptors note, tonight is the draft lottery to find out where we fit in right. the draft. And you know who's representing the Raptors tonight? So usually it's a coach, sometimes it's a GM. You know who's representing the Raptors tonight? No. Our very own Fred Van Vliet oh. is showing up. Now remember at the end of the season, he was in a coaching attire many oh. games. Here he is. They're sending Fred as our ambassador to the team, I love it. Uh, it's Whose idea was that? I don't know. That's a good. That's a great question. Uh, something uh, for us to maybe dig into wow. more. But I love that he's involved in that. Uh, on a podcasting note, uh, this is Pride Month, um, right. and Zion and I later this week will be releasing our uh, Pride Cast uh, to celebrate uh, the gay, queer, trans community. Um, and we're excited about that. We've been doing some research. It's amazing how resilient uh, these players and these humans are who are um, who have come out uh, during their careers. Right, uh, right. Some of them coach, uh, like a Jason Collins. Um, so that's exciting to be able to uh, to be able to have as a podcast. Um, and highlight some people that you know a lot of basketball fans might not know about, especially people from the WNBA if they if they don't uh, follow the WNBA WNBA closer. Uh, but yeah, we're we're excited about that, and so glad to have you, Dad, on the the podcast. I'm sure uh, before the next season, we'll have you back on, and hopefully, wow. we have the dynamic of Zaya oh, being Zaya. part of uh, the conversation. Um, and look out for that Zaya Evelyn podcast that probably will happen in the next two or three weeks. Um, that also will be exciting. I can't, I'm like, hardly contain myself. <laughs> uh, and finally, on a basketball note, a Canadian basketball note, Canada men are trying to qualify for the Olympics. Of course, the women have already qualified. They're one of those top five, top six teams in the world. Uh, with all the stars uh, from Canada that are joining that uh, qualifying uh, tournament, hopefully Canada can pull it out and be in the Olympics, even though I'm not sure we should have the Olympics in Tokyo mm. this year. It's going to happen. So hopefully we can rep be represented there uh, from our, our men's basketball. Uh, Chris Boucher will be there. Um, so yeah, lots of exciting things. Again, great to talk to you, Dad. It's amazing how quickly time goes by. We talked about having this podcast be an a, a half an hour. It's now uh, almost an hour. So uh, much love to all those listening. Stay safe, and uh, we'll talk soon. Go, go.
Let's go.